Welcome to the Inspiring Sustainability Podcast. My name is Adam Woodhull and today I'm delighted to invite Scott Nelson, CEO of Switchbridge, to join me. Adam, thank you for inviting me. Delighted. And uh, this is a, a quite a, an international conversation today because we are delighted to be hosted by uh, Digital Catapult, who are just in the centre of London. But Scott is over here from Arizona, and I believe uh, that part of your role is actually to kind of be travelling all over the world, isn't it, at the moment? It is. It's been about 70 to 80% of my time on the road right now. Right, great. Well, this is a really exciting conversation for me because uh, I actually met Scott uh, about six months ago when I was actually, uh, I was happy enough to be sitting on a panel at a blockchain uh, event. And, uh, but Scott was actually one of the keynote speakers and he, he, he really impressed me with what he was saying on that day. So I was delighted that when I found out that he'd be in town again and so we could have a, a good conversation. Well, we did chat about, you know, doing this when we got together again. So yeah. I'm glad it worked out. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so as, as you'll have uh, picked up off the show notes, that this uh, program is going to be quite a lot about blockchain. Now, blockchain, apart from cryptocurrencies and uh, Bitcoin and things like that, is a pretty opaque area maybe to, to most of you out there. So um, what I'd first like to do is actually get a bit of background to Scott as, as, an, as the first introduction, but then once Scott's done that, I'm going to be asking him to, get, him to give us his interpretation of what block, the kind of dummies for blockchain, or blockchain for dummies. Um, so first of all, let's do a bit of an introduction to yourself, Scott. Well, tell us a bit about yourself. Well, I've spent my career at the union of three things that don't normally go together. Um, uh, technology, finance, and supply chains. Um, I had a business that I started uh, in 1993 that uh, ended up growing into an international business that serviced uh, some of the largest, most demanding companies on earth and uh, that handled the settlement activity for their logistics and their supply chains all over the world. Mm. Um, actually did had operations that touched 196 countries, which is almost every country on earth. And so what's, uh, and did you, how connected is that with the, the current uh, uh, sort of business that you're building up? On? Well, it laid the foundation for my understanding. Right. You know, it was when I was um, working with these large multinationals and seeing how um, their suppliers were treated, seeing the problems of their suppliers, looking at the settlement right. processes, um, watching how uh, currency exchange, how lots of different things go on, um, that I realized that the current financial system of the world is really quite broken. Mm. And I, I really couldn't believe that the people that had the most money available to them and had the lowest cost of capital were forcing their suppliers to take the longest payment terms mm. and uh, they got to play unfair advantages over the mid mid-size and smaller competitors that they uh, competed with in the marketplace and I, I really realized that there was a um, that what caused this was that the the large multinational corporations could do things in their accounting system mm -hmm that would allow them to move uh, assets, money, other things, purely with accounting entries, where real-world organizations that didn't have these multinational structures 
couldn't do the same thing. They had to actually go down and get currency converted. and They had to actually send money places. They had to actually physically move assets and commodities and things. And this this added tons of friction, tons of cost to the, the smaller businesses. And they had a much higher cost of capital than uh, the large organizations who would insist, for example, that if you want to do business with me, you're going to have to take 60, 90-day payment terms. And cost of capital, what does that, that mean for that? Uh, g- great question. The... Average weighted cost of capital is a financial uh, concept that means if you take the all of the different ways a company can raise money, stocks, mm-hmm. bonds, borrowing money from the bank, and you average it together and you t- say, well, what's the interest rate? Yeah. That's, that, that's what we're talking about. Right, okay. So that's a bit about the, the business. Um, what about yourself? What did you have? You finished that business? Is that still yes. going? Yes. No, business? no, that business is still going. I sold it to... A uh, private equity group um, a number of years ago. Right. Okay. So and so, what what did you do then? Did you go to a, a beach in? Uh, I, I actually did. I went to a beach in Hawaii. Really? <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. I got a bit of a, <clears throat> a bit of a cold. I'm recovering from. Um, yeah. I went to a beach in Hawaii and sat there and thought, you know, about whether or not I actually wanted to spend the rest of my life on the beach. And it was during that time that uh, I was reading a lot about what was happening with this thing called blockchain, which I'd been interested in because I had a son-in-law who tried to uh, convince me that uh, I should buy some Bitcoin Mm. (laughs) back in, uh, uh, at the time when you could buy it for less than a dollar. And uh, (laughs) um, by the way, this is a this is a subject of uh, of almost every family um, <laughs> holiday, and uh, I, I told him it was a scam. So I, he, anyway, he uh, he kept me interested in it and got me interested in it earlier, and I was able to catch up on what was going on in the space, mm-hmm. sitting on that beach. And it was at that time that I realized that there were going to be a very small number of people mm-hmm. who were going to develop the new financial and economic protocols for the earth. Mm. Mm. And nobody was going to vote for them. Nobody was even going to know their names before they became famous. Mm. And uh, I was very concerned that they might not actually do that thoughtfully. Mm. Mm. Okay. And I decided that uh, my background, my experience, everything I had learned gave me an opportunity to potentially do that a bit wiser than maybe some other people might mm. uh, do. And I was very uh, also concerned about the idea that this technology could create the world's first trillionaire. Mm. And I, I don't think we really need any trillionaires. <laughs> um, and as, as much as sometimes you know people might think they want to be a trillionaire, uh, I don't think anyone would be able to be a good trillionaire. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. So... That's a good little pause point um, to take just a sidestep from that story. Is to um, that's really good background. Give me a little bit of background about blockchain. How would sure. you define what the blockchain is to the non-expert? Well, a lot of people have lots of different ways of defining it. Mm. Um, I, the way I look at it is maybe a little different and a little bit unorthodox. Yeah. Uh, so my explanation may not be the explanation you would find if you Google online. Mm. Um, I would agree that it is a shared database. So it's a shared database of state that's very difficult to uh, corrupt or to subvert Mm -hmm. um, in any way. So you can't really hack it Mm. economically. Mm -hmm. 
But it's two things that a lot of people don't uh, talk about that's really powerful. It is a way of combining the financial status of uh, the official financial record, which would like you, you, you would get from your bank, mm-hmm. of where money is and what the balance is of, of some financial account, with the accounting records mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and with the legal ownership records of assets. Mm-hmm or of any other kind of um, contract. Mm-hmm. Because you can bind these together, you, you can make things happen automatedly now that you do not need to audit or regulate because you can program into the code the way you want it to work. Mm-hmm. And this can be trusted by everybody because you can't economically subvert it. It's not that it's not technically able to be hacked. It can be. Uh, it's that it's uneconomical to do it. In other words, the value you would get from doing that would actually cost you. Uh, it would cost you more to do it than the value you would receive from it. And so, it's a very different way of looking at computing. And um, you don't need to put anything behind firewalls and protect it and lock it all down. It d- doesn't work that way. You put things out there in the open, and um, it doesn't mean the information has to be public. It can be encrypted. But you put it all out there in the open, anyone can access it, anyone can look at it, and you just make thousands of copies of it all over the place that are kept synchronized with one another through something called a consensus algorithm, which just means that um, a way of all of the copies agreeing on what the official version is. Mm. And for a hacker to attack it, they would have to attack every single one of those uh, computer systems all at the same time. Mm that would take the processing power that is greater than what's in the systems that are out there running it. And so it's very, very difficult to subvert. And the, the benefit, though, is you don't really need to understand any more than you need to know how your phone works. The benefit is that things that you would have had to use legal mechanisms or regulatory mechanisms to enforce, you can now enforce in code. Mm. And you can, anyone can audit the code and validate it to make sure that it's doing what you say it's doing. And this means that you have a level of transparency and a level of ability to make things happen in commercial environments, economic environments, financial environments that um, historically required police forces and governmental regulators and um, organizations that were audited and verified and validated. Now you can just do it all through a computer system. Interesting. So how then is uh, Sweetbridge uh, kind of using what you've just described as a platform to help uh, deliver on some of the challenges that you saw, yeah. particularly the ones that obviously I think the listeners are going to be interested in, the ones that have anything to do with sustainability and creating a, a better world? Sure. Well, the, the thing that, that we're trying to do is create a new operating system, a new financial economic operating system for the world. And instead of trying to change the unfairness that exists, that I think everybody in your audience is probably aware of, you know, um, everything from the issues of the unbanked to, you know, the issues of discrimination potentially based on gender, backgrounds, creeds, religions, whatever it might be, um, small versus large uh, institutions, all of these things are are massively broken in our current society and lead to uh, the only people that can really amass wealth are people that are consistently wise or consistently bad. 
Um, and that's really not a very good system. And the people who are consistently wise uh, end up amassing so much capital that they rarely stay wise. And they typically get controlled by or become a, an attractor to people that have are bad actors. Mm. And um, all of the attempts historically to try to fix these inequities, uh, fix the current banking systems, other things, have been political. And we can actually now fix these commercially, where we just agree to actually start doing something new together. And we don't actually need to um, get people into office. We don't need to get new policies set. We don't need to change the economics of the in country that we're in. We can actually add a new layer of economics that sits on top of it is compatible with it, but actually changes how it works, and we can do this commercially. And this is possible through the blockchain. It was not possible before the blockchain. And so we have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to, to reimagine a fairer, more equitable financial system than what exists today, one which is going to treat somebody who is a poor farmer in Africa the same way they're going to treat somebody who has, you know, a, a house in Beverly Hills. Mm. Somebody who's going to treat a small uh, business manufacturer in Indonesia the same way that they are going to treat, you know, General Motors. Mm. Uh, so it it's a it's a new it, it's a way of rebalancing things to make everything fair. And we can do this without governments uh, um, needing to be changed. We don't need to have a revolution. We can do it purely economically. And it was that realization on the beach that this could be done economically that made me realize that somebody was going to do it. Because anything that is possible and is going to have a very large economic impact is going to be done. Then the only question is, well, what's going to be the motives of the people that do it? Are they going to be motivated to try to do something that is going to be for good? Mm. Or are they just going to want to be disruptive and break things because they can? Mm. Um, are they going to want to see that you have a new, fairer system? Or are they going to create a system that just benefits them? Or a special class of people, maybe the wealthier? And I have nothing against wealth. I just would like to see it used for, for um, more positive purposes. Um, and... I think one of the great things that we're trying to eliminate at Sweetbridge is to reduce the use of interest in society and finance and making money from interest. Mm. Uh, and to make making money from interest something that when it has to be made from interest, the average person gets the interest, not the pension fund or the insurance company or the, um, or the wealthy individuals. Uh, that make it today uh, and and that's now all possible mm. uh, and so that's what we are doing so that's uh, like it's a, a, a grand vision um, just to come down to something uh, a little bit more prosaic actually but important what, why Sweetbridge why is that name well we wanted to get this idea across of um, connecting an old system mm. an old way to a new way that led a way forward mm. without actually destroying mm. the old mm. to get to the new. And a bridge does that. Yeah. So a bridge 
takes you from one side of a chasm or a river or something and allows you to go over to the other side, but doesn't actually destroy the place that you left in doing it. Yeah. Um, so we thought that was a great visual. Yeah. Um, and that was a great uh, uh, analogy of what we were trying to do. And then we wanted to, to say that this was something that was positive. And so we looked at all sorts of, of, of names that would mean something positive. And uh, the word sweet actually translated into every major language into something that the culture sees as positive. Mm. And, uh, and, and it was one of the few things that did. And, and it was also available. There were a couple other ones that we came up with, but they weren't available as, uh, as names. Somebody had already taken them. And so we decided on, on Sweetbridge. It's really turned out to be a fabulous name. We really like it a lot. No, that's fantastic. And I think the, <clears throat> it does have some resonance with it. It's, it's very memorable as well. So that's, that's and we to... wanted that. We didn't want one of these made-up names that people can't remember. You know, and how's that spelled again? And, yeah. No, that's great. It's great that it kind of fits globally as well because it's very much a global system. So, uh, <clears throat> tell me, you, you know, I referred to the fact that you're, uh, you're globetrotting it at the moment. Yeah. Um, what, what is it that you're trying to build globally then with, with this? A community. So, um, <clears throat> so one of the things that you can do with, uh, in our environment that just sounds, it sounds science fiction, but it's not, um, is that you can loan yourself money based on the value that's inside of assets that you have. Mm. Mm. Without a counterparty, you don't need a bank or anyone to prove you. You don't need a credit rating. You don't need a, um, you don't have to get uh, some credit committee to agree. Mm. Um, you can literally do it yourself and we're building the technology for you to be able to, be able to do it on your cell phone or your computer. Um, <laughs> that's just one of the things that the blockchain enables. And, yeah. and, and the reason this is possible is that the things the bank used to that you needed a bank for, which were uh, to validate the value of the asset mm-hmm. and to sell it if you defaulted, uh, to get the money that was you know that you didn't pay back to pay back the loan, mm-hmm. and to do all of the uh, administration of the loan can all of those things can now be delegated to technology that runs on blockchains, mm-hmm. and so you really don't need. The counterparty anymore, mm. um, and this is a radical, radical idea. Uh, it's very hard for people to actually get the, their head around it because it seems like this just can't be true. Mm. Um, uh, but you actually can do that, and and so this is uh, you know this is an example of the kind of thing that we're trying to explain to governments and to uh, regulators uh, who you know have laws and, and and things that they're concerned about that are related to people borrowing money um, and you know even from themselves <laughs> which seems kind of ridiculous when you think about it um, <laughs> uh, you know that that would be something that might be regulated but there are there are places where it is and so we have to spend a lot of time um, educating people and then also building up people who want to be part of this because everything we're doing is open source mm. it is all um, uh, not for profit um, it's not that we are against profit. Uh, we're not. Mm. We're trying to enable real commerce and sustainable mm. economic activity. Um, uh, we're very much trying to do that. And it's not that we don't actually have a way of making money. Mm. We do. Um, but we are doing it in a way where we're trying to give this away to the world. And mm. we, need, we need people all over the world, uh, organizations, uh, other individuals, 
who want to take this uh, technology and these tools uh, to uh, start businesses, to provide the different services that we offer um, through our technology platforms to people in their local communities, to mm. people in their in their country, to work with their local regulatory um, bodies to get the proper licensing approvals to do it uh, depending on where you are in the world depends on what licensing might be required and we allow other things like uh, payments without money hmm. um, you know uh, this is a very again it sounds science fiction but it's not it's uh, it's very sound economics we allow uh, people in a, in a in a situation in commerce where there's a chain of, of people that are going to you know, one person sells something to somebody and they sell it to somebody else and they sell it to somebody else and it finally gets bought by a consumer. Um, we allow that chain to basically collateralize the trade and provide liquidity to people as soon as they basically get the order or as soon as they ship the shipment to fulfillment. And they don't have to actually wait to be paid um, in, uh, you know, the, until their, supply, the, their customer pays them. Mm. And the customer actually pays the network. They actually mm. pay the Sweetbridge network back, and they they uh, and the money that gets advanced comes from the Sweetbridge network. And the interest that is generated by um, uh, the system is paid to people who have excess cash. Mm. And uh, today, if you have excess cash in your bank account, you probably can't make any money off of it mm. or make very little. Um, we allow people to make three to five percent on just the cash they have hanging around, hmm. and they can. They, they, it doesn't prevent them from using it. They can still use it, make payments, but whatever the balance is in their account, um, they can use that balance to allow other people to get advantage. And this can be individuals, or it can be companies, it can be governments. Hmm. Um, surprisingly, we're having conversations with governments, municipalities, and and others about doing the same thing. And so with this then, is it something that could be kind of like a widespread underpinning of a gen, uh, of an economy? It, it could, uh, it could yeah, absolutely. It's, the, it's, it, it's kind of like Google or um, Facebook. It's something that literally every adult on earth could use mm. and every uh, company on earth could use and every government on earth could use. Mm. Uh, every nonprofit uh, social enterprise could use. There's really no... Buddy, who we can't help. Um, our system has uh, capital formation uh, mechanisms that uh, replace the need for loans or replace the needs for investment capital, for example, um, particularly replace the needs for bonds. And these can be used by municipalities as an alternative to selling bonds to raise money. And uh, instead of paying um, having uh, higher taxes, uh, the way it gets paid for is you sell a discount on future taxes to your current people mm. in your municipality, mm. and you do that interest-free. They they get a um, ability to buy down their tax mm. in the future, and uh, you get a income that you can use now to invest in infrastructure or the city or other things. And this can be very powerful in helping to jumpstart small economic environments, revitalize towns that have been um, suffered uh, economic setback, you know, um, or developing nations where they don't have capital infrastructure. This is a very powerful way of, of, of helping to create infrastructure mm -hmm. for things like highways and bridges and 
other things that are needed in order for them to basically lift themselves out of the poverty they're in. Right, okay. So, I mean, it sounds fascinating, it sounds very exciting, but then actually what needs to be underpin all of this is like a trust. And something that I'm aware of, that blockchain can um, uh, build trust, yeah. uh, but obviously some people are sceptical because people have used blockchain to... Uh, Build uh, a mirage of trust. Yes. And they pull it away. Yeah. So, what uh, are you doing, or, or either done or planning to do, to kind of help develop that trust? Yes. In your system, yeah. so then people can trade on it. Yeah. So um, there, there are mo- myriad of answers to that. First, um, all of the source code, all of the things that we do, are available for people to look at and, mm. and, and open because it's open source, like. Uh, um, the Apache server that runs most of the internet uh, websites is open sourced, um, and uh, and so that that's one level of of certainty because people can actually look at whether the code does what we said it does. Um, the other is that it operates on blockchains, and so blockchains um, can be trusted because you you know that the code that is there is actually the code that ran, mm. not some other version of code that did something different. And you can see both uh, you can see both the input and the output. You can see whether or not um, the the values are real or anything's being done. Mm. Uh, and, every, and everything that should be transparent and open is transparent and open. But there's a bigger problem of governance of the technology change. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if you're going to change the technology, well, then who controls the change and how do you make that happen in a way that can be trusted? And to do that, we have uh, established legal entities around the world that have no common ownership. In fact, they are uh, the equivalent of non-for-profit organizations, though they may not be... Uh, they may they may have to pay taxes, but they uh, so the government might not consider them a charity, but they um, they don't have shareholders, mm. and um, they are controlled by members. So everyone who joins Sweetbridge joins one of these entities. Anyone can start one of these entities. Um, they just have to agree to a common charter, and they have to put up some staking capital. Just money that is used to make sure that uh, that's at risk if they do something wrong. Mm. It can be used to make uh, the people that they you know harm mm. whole. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so anyone can start one. Uh, these entities then control and vote for and manage the evolution of the development of the technology. Right. And the members of each of these entities, all the people that are signed up on Sweetbridge in that locale. Uh, and there could be many Sweetbridge financial entities inside of one country. There could be, you know, a thousand. Um, it, there's no limit. All competing for the same customers. Those, those members, uh, they vote with their pocketbook. They pick the Sweetbridge financial entity they want to work with. Um, and they're not bound there. If they want to move their account to another one, they can. And uh, they can do that at any time. And what that does is that means that those entities are, are more beholden to them. Mm-hmm. It also means that entities can be developed that maybe have certain focuses, mm. like mm. Uh, um, you know, uh, say a, a, a part of a community that had uh, uh, people that were you know disadvantaged financially could bind together and have their own sweet virginity, um, much like the concept originally that was behind credit unions or or mutuals, you know. Um, 
before they kind of became uh, corrupted in the current environment. Mm. It's, it's, it's the same concept. And because, the, it, because we are, and the Sweetbridge uh, Corporation that's setting all this up has a death gene. We'll actually, we, we are required to, uh, to die as, a, as an entity in now a little less than six and a half years. So it's a seven-year death gene. And at, once that happens, everything we do will be owned by the world. It won't be owned by us. Right, interesting. Yes, uh, that's 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 uh, interesting. Uh, that's kind of unusual. I can't see the founders of Google and uh, Facebook uh, doing that. Just the opposite, I think. Well, if they really wanted to dominate the world for you know a hundred years, that's what it would take. So, if you really want to change the world, the only way you can actually really do it is to give it away. Yeah, which is, it's interesting. I was just thinking recently, actually, that uh, one of the challenges around people who are getting into blockchain and looking at disruptive stuff is they're, they're looking to own it in the art model of Google and Facebook. But, yes. Uh, th- and then thinking of analogies such as, like, the, somebody was talking to me about uh, HTTP or SMTP. Yeah. But those are free. Those are yeah. not owned by anybody. So anything where you invest in something and expect it to go very global... And then be owned is is gonna gonna struggle, I think. Well, it's going to die at some point. Um, you know, every every organization or company that's ever been created has died, mm. but cities don't die. Mm. Um, sometimes they do, but many times they don't. Mm. You know, think of places like Rome and mm. places like London and um, others. These cities have lived through far more change in time than. Uh, than any corporation has mm-hmm. uh, or any organization well you could say maybe the Catholic Church but mm-hmm. um, the if if something isn't controlled by a group of people that have totally different ideas and completely different interests and who are at times maybe at odds with one another mm-hmm. it doesn't live forever because it can't adapt mm-hmm. it can't change and so we wanted to create something that if we really were serious about it, we looked at it very, 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 you know, we looked at this history of really deep change. And deep change that was controlled by anyone becomes attacked. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a motive to really change something, the best evidence is that you're willing to give it away. Mm, very interesting. So let's. Uh, so that's the seven years in the future, and maybe seventy years in the future as well. Um, bring it back to present day. What can people do now, or in the next few months or so, to interact with what Sweetbridge are doing? So um, we have a a wallet that uh, is going into beta here this so what, week. Just uh, just for the non-educated, what's a wallet? Ah, great question. Um, so it's just a app that you uh, run on your phone or your computer that allows you to keep all of the financial things that you have together. Um, and we're, we're building an app uh, that will be a, a, an electronic wallet that will allow you to combine all of the things you own, your house, your inventory, your art, your cryptocurrencies, your cash, all inside of one application ultimately. It doesn't do this all yet, but this, this is where it will take a number of years for us to get it to do everything your stocks your bonds you can then uh, buy and sell them through it uh, you can make payments through it um, much like you do with your bank and it basically is the one place that manages all of your 
um, uh, financial transactions. Mm -hmm. And this wallet actually has an accounting system built in. So that when you actually just do things, it automatically records what they are and uh, automatically uh, puts them in the right categories of asset purchases or expense or revenue and other things. Um, and so this is extremely helpful at uh, helping somebody kind of put together information they need to do for their taxes or for, mm. for other kinds of things. Then we have a, uh, that's, that's coming out in the beta here just next week. Um, we have a, uh, a, a new uh, currency that is a transparent uh, cryptocurrency. It's actually a virtual currency that will uh, be able to be used for people to buy and sell things who don't have money. Um, and it sits on top of an accounting system. It's transparent, which means that governments can actually audit it, what it does. Mm. Uh, so uh, other people can't see it. Um, so what you do on it can't be seen by your neighbor um, or your kids or you know anyone, you, your competitor or anything. But, uh, but it, it, the in data in it is encrypted uh, in a, with an encryption key that the local government can access that you're in, the, the, the government that you're in, through due process of law, so they can actually audit and validate the transactions, make sure they're correct. That's coming out this summer. Then we've done the loaning product that we have, where we'll be able to do loans, uh, will be coming out uh, this fall. Um, and that's, you'll be able to use that same wallet based on the assets you have loaded in it to borrow money against the assets that you have. Um, and you'll be able to do it to literally in seconds on your phone. You have to wait. You don't have to get any approvals. You don't have to, you know, fill out any application. It's really a couple a couple button clicks on your phone and you're done. So that's really interesting. And to make this the, the, the final question, actually. So bringing that into life, the question that came to my mind is how does the system know what your asset is worth? Yeah. Um, how does it understand that? Okay, so um, the only assets we can load against are assets that we can price. The value of and um, and so it depends on the asset as to how the pricing is done and how fast you can therefore use it to get the loan and the examples I gave were all things that we can do a uh, use an electronic means to determine the value of the asset like a stock or a bond you can just check what the price is you know what they're trading at um, cryptocurrencies we can do the same thing commodities we can do the same thing invoices and things like that we can do the same thing um, but the if it's a house or car um, then it has to have an appraisal um, and and so there's certain kinds of things that have to go through an appraisal process where it takes a little more time but the, and the way we do that is we just use the appraisal systems that exist in the world today um, and so that's how it works no, no fascinating well and, and I, here's the thing that I okay. mentioned um, our system is designed so that you pick in your loan. Mm -hmm. You set all your all of the terms of your loan. You even set your interest rate. Mm -hmm. And um, you might go, "What? You can actually have a zero percent interest rate if you want." Right. And uh, much like you can buy down interest on, say, a mortgage when you're getting a mortgage and get a lower interest rate if you pay more money up front, mm. um, you can actually buy an asset from us called a sweet coin mm -hmm. uh, when you're getting your loan. And uh, if you own enough of that asset, you can not only borrow against the value of it, so when you buy it, you can use part of the value that you buy from it to, to basically fund the, the purchase. Mm. Um, it actually wipes out your interest in the system so you can actually get an interest-free loan. 
Um, and then at the end, when you pay your loan off, you can then sell that to someone else, um, yeah. sell it to another customer. Uh, and so it's a, it's a very creative um, set of things that are going to be hard for people to kind of believe. You can set your payment terms. Like mm-hmm. if you want, uh, you, you want a 20-year balloon payment, fine. You want to skip paying interest this month uh, or payment this month, fine. Right. If it, It's up to you. <laughs> now, the one thing you can't do, the only thing you can't do is you can't borrow more money than the collateral value of your asset. Right. That's the one. That's the one rule. Um, as long as you don't violate that rule, you can have payment terms be anything you want. Yeah. And so, actually, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep. Uh, I've got actually another really interesting final question because sure. I, can't, I can't resist asking this. So this all sounds amazing, and it, it really does fit the the nature of my kind of sub theme of inspiring sustainability, which is game changers, opportunities which can create that game changing, and. Um, it, it, uh, it all does seem too good to be true in some sense. It seems a bit science It does. Fiction. It does seem too, it's like science fiction, yeah. But, but, uh, which is possibly, it's certainly blown my mind a little bit. It might well have blown some of the listeners' minds, uh, but I'm sure they'll be fascinated with it. Tell me just finally, one thing where it's kind of maybe not gone as well as you uh, hoped, or oh, you've, you've yes. talked to some organizations oh, yeah. and they've not got it, and it's, it, the traction's not been there. So, yeah, so anything where it's not gone as well. Of course. Um, the thing that has, has been way more difficult than I thought it would be uh, has been dealing with all of the regulatory environments to get you know, approvals in each mm. country or, or, or mm. location to do some of these things. Um, the, we, have, we have eminent um, you know, economists that are part of our, including uh, economists who... Uh, were uh, economists for, let's say, the Federal um, uh, Reserve and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, central banks. And uh, we've got lots of, we, we can prove with all our math, we've got all the math that proves the things, we've got white papers out there people can read with that proves everything. Um, so we have tons of evidence that all of this is actually not science fiction, it's actually quite solid. Uh, we've got um, uh, all of that documentation, and yet you walk into a regulator and to say, look, at this could really help your country. This could really help your city or your, uh, or your locale. And they don't know what to do with it. And because it's different, they're frightened. And it makes sense. As I've gotten to understand their job, um, they really have no upside in approving anything that isn't normal. They have only downside. And so I, I'm quite sympathetic for what they face. Uh, and so we had to change our approach. We've had to spend a lot more time with um, the executive branch of government mm-hmm. and the legislature of, of government. And the biggest disappointment for me in this process so far has been the United States, where mm-hmm. um, there are just so many different agencies that have a stake in kind of some of the stuff we're doing. That it is, um, we've had to decide we just can't actually do this in the United States. We have to actually start it someplace else. And, and, and actually, some of the agencies in the United States actually recommended that. They mm-hmm. said, go, go, go to the UK, go to um, you know, Southeast Asia, go to some places, other places that are doing more cutting thing, edge things, uh, Europe and whatnot, and, and start there. And then once you get it going there, it'll be easier for you to come back here and get people to accept it because they'll see it having been done somewhere else. 
Great. Well, that's a, a good, there's kind of like a bit of a painful journey, but a positive note to finish on there. Yeah. Um, so really fascinating conversation. And uh, so I'd like to finish by uh, thanking you, Scott. Where can people find out about Sweetbridge? Sweetbridge.com. You know, you can learn everything you need to know there. Um, we're also very active in blogging right. on Medium. Uh, so if you type uh, Sweetbridge in your search on Medium website. And then, of course, uh, we have a, a social media uh, engagement and channel uh, through Telegram mm-hmm. that's very active community, lots of people on it um, uh, conversing with us. So if people have questions or mm-hmm. not, they can ask them there. And, and Twitter, do you have a... Yes, uh, um, Sweetbridge Inc. Right, great. Yep. Okay. Okay, well, that's wonderful. Just uh, so this, uh, just to finish off uh, with a little uh, bit about myself, I'm, my name's Adam Woodhall. I'm uh, the host of Inspiring Sustainability. You can find me on inspiring-sustainability.com and also my uh, LinkedIn and Twitter are Adam Woodhall, or one word. You can find me on those. Um, so I just want to finish off by uh, thanking uh, Scott to find time in his busy schedule whilst he's in London to, to meet with us, to, to express this kind of game-changing, kind of uh, real but science fiction feeling uh, opportunity that is actually happening and has got the real potential to change the world. So thank you for bringing that to us, Scott. Thank you, Adam. Thank Pleasure. You. Yep. Right, and so closing Inspiring Sustainability, thank you listeners, and uh, to the next time, look forward to talking to you. Goodbye.